Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of the LeadX Leadership Show. I am Kevin Cruz. This is the show also known as Fan Mail Friday, also known as we're having another Nor'easter here in Philadelphia. I am so over this winter. <laughs> Before I launch into my random thoughts of the week and answer questions from you, I hope you'll leave a quick rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. It's how we will stay on the air if we can grow this audience. Random rant. It's not even a rant. It's just a share. Best thing on TV, brand new, not on TV actually, not on Netflix. It's on YouTube. It's Will Smith's YouTube channel, the actor Will Smith. Yes, Will Smith is also from Philadelphia, but that's not why I'm plugging it. Um, it's really uh, fun and interesting and, uh, and funny in the world of YouTubers, as they call them. You know, there's a lot of people that just do like selfie style camera in hand and they just record their life or talk or whatever. Uh, there's others who kind of up at a notch and they have like a videographer follow them around. They're not actually holding the camera and they'll do some light editing and some production. Uh, and there's, there's other people out there that actually put a lot of time and money and they're kind of creating their own little indie shows. Usually it's sketches. It's something funny. And Will Smith is doing something unique. It's kind of uh, a mix of all these approaches. I mean, sometimes he's just talking into his iPhone. Other times they've got camera people and drone footage. Uh, sometimes it's unscripted He's and he's very funny. Um, and other times it just, uh, he, clearly they've been working on an episode. So he mixes it up and gives a lot of his own personal backstory and inspirational messages. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. You know, each one's like five minutes long. He's, he's done a handful of them. So let's just go onto YouTube and look up Will Smith and subscribe to his channel. I also have a question for you. I ask it a lot. Who did you thank this week on your team? Who did you thank this week in your family? It's not too late. You can trigger the power of recognition. It does wonders, showing appreciation does wonders for the engagement, the connection you make with the, the person you're giving it to at home or at work. And having an attitude of gratitude, as I often say, is powerful for your own life. Certainly gratitude is what got me through the previous few weeks, my 24 hour speaking gig in Chicago that turned into three day trip stuck in the Chicago airport. When I got home, finally, there was no power in the house. It was three days of no power, then more no power at home a week later. This is now our third nor'easter today that I'm recording this, but it, I think it's not too bad. Hopefully the power <laughs> sticks. Uh, I always try to go back to just attitude of gratitude and realizing like if, if it's not in my control, why, why waste negative emotion on it? It's the, um, the old um, serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Last thing I was thinking about <laughs> probably with all my travel and everything. What continues to amaze me 
is how few people ask for feedback, how few companies ask for feedback. One of the good things that Uber has always done, and I know Uber's done a lot of horrible things and is on everybody's bad list these days, but I think one of the the things that Uber did was after every ride, immediately it pops up on your phone, how'd they do, how'd the driver do? You leave stars, you leave comments. So few people I deal with ever ask me, how is our service? Are you happy with the product? What could we have done better? And that's the key question. It's not just how satisfied are you as a customer, but if we had to do one thing better, what would it be? I'm dealing with um, a whole bunch of contractors, subcontractors right now and for LeadX, and there's a web design shop. I love them. They're small. They're doing great. I look forward to continuing to work with them. But they've never asked me how they're doing so far. And if they asked, what could we be doing better? What could we have done better? I mean, I, I would then say to them, you know, when you bugged me about paying an invoice three days after you sent it to me, uh, one, that tells me you're desperate for cash and might be going out of business, or at least that thought crosses my mind. Or I think, wow, you guys are really inexperienced business people because everybody knows that net 30 is the normal, you know, takes 30 days from receipt of an invoice to get it paid. Now, the reality is I pay all my invoices or I put them in for processing with my bookkeeper the same day I receive them. So I'm a great payer. Uh, I didn't have a problem with telling them you'll get money within a week, but just them asking that triggered like negative thoughts. And if they want to grow their business, if they want to deal with Fortune 500 companies or mid-market companies, they should figure it out. But they never asked me what they could be doing better. You know, I've been using the same car service getting me to and from the airport for 10 years. I like them. I'm going to keep using them. But if they ever asked me to give them feedback, you know, how satisfied I am or what's one thing they could do better, I would say, you know what? Don't come knock on my door at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it wakes up, you know, the rest of the house. Only knock on the door if I'm late. But they never ask me that. So I've never told them that. And I'm sure there's all kinds of customers that are getting upset when they're knocking on their door at five in the morning. You could even use this approach to other areas of your life. I mean, when's the last time you asked your spouse for feedback? When's the last time you asked your kids, hey, how am I doing as a, as a dad this week, this month? lately. Uh, you know, I, it's amazing. I, um, I love, you know, I'm a big fan of teachers. I love teachers. I always try to get to know a little bit the teachers, you know, that my kids have. I always try to ask them early in the year if there's anything they need in terms of support or resources. But, you know, there's never been with three kids going through, you know, 12 years of school. I've never had a teacher ask me as a parent, like, hey, what could I be doing better for your son or for your daughter? You know, how satisfied is your son or daughter in my class? And is there anything I could be doing better for them? And there would be tons of stuff, you know? And again, these are great teachers, not saying they're, they're not, but whether it's putting up the assignments in the online thing on time or whatever it is, there would be things that they could be doing better, but nobody ever asks for feedback. It is a powerful thing. If you want to 10X your consulting company, your book sales, if you want to 10X your career, go ask your boss. Hey, how am I doing, boss? Scale of one to 10. Oh, you're doing great, Kevin. Yeah, I'd give you a nine. Wow, thanks, boss. But what would it take to make you answer a 10? And then there's that one extra little thing. Anyway, 
That is a rant. That's enough on that rant. All right, on to our questions. The first one is about employee engagement. Uh, someone wrote in, I am working on physician engagement for the University of Blank Medical Center. I don't want to say it out loud. It's pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. Do you have any experience with doctors? It's a pretty tough crowd. Okay, so I, I do keynotes and workshops, uh, dozens for hospitals and healthcare systems. And it's so critical because employee engagement, when healthcare professionals care, they make fewer medical errors, there's fewer infections, there's fewer slip and falls, all kinds of things that are, that are really uh, critical. So here's the thing though, we have to go back and remember that over 70% of the variance in employee engagement has to do with who the boss is. So when it comes to doctors, Many of them don't view the hospital as their boss. You know, they just have uh, admitting rights. Uh, they view either themselves as their own boss if they're if you know they're they're working for themselves, or whoever they report to in their private practice. And the hospital, they have admitting rights, visiting rights, and all of that, but they don't really view anybody at the hospital as their boss. So there's very little you can do uh, to change that when you're not in that boss role. What you can do is try to whoever is interfacing with the physicians, usually you know nurse professionals, um, think about the big three. How can you provide recognition and appreciation to that physician? How can you keep the physician uh, believing that the future is bright? So the hospital has a bright future, their practice area, working with them, it has a bright future. Let's trust that the future is bright. And then it's really hard, but um, because not in, the, in a boss relationship, anything you can do to help the physician to grow, to learn, to be challenged in, in new ways. Again, you know, maybe it's inviting them to special lectures, uh, special events at the hospital, anything that you can do to help them learn. Um, so that's, that's it. You are limited unless they are salaried physicians working for the hospital. Then again, whoever their manager is, that's the key. And she has to focus on growth, recognition, and trust. And then I got this fun one. It's sort of a two-parter uh, from Cheryl. And she emailed and said, hey, I'm a single mom of four, full-time school for nurse practitioner program. I work full-time nights trying to be my best in all areas and still work out, see friends and have a clean home, sigh, <laughs> Cheryl. So I wrote back and I said, oh, I see you're a one-upper. I'm only a single dad with three kids. I say, it's tough, ain't it? If you've got two full-time jobs and four kids, I wouldn't even bother working out, having friends or having a clean house. But hey, that's just me. The key is to just be mindful and intentional with your time. If you have X spare hours a week, what do you value most and how will you allocate those hours? Do you want to exercise? Well, is that 20 minutes a day or one hour on the weekend? That's just one example. Well, <laughs> Cheryl wrote back and said, uh, wow, I'm so impressed you responded with your busy schedule to little old me. Loved your email. I do work out, try to have friends and a clean house. However, I give up sleep a lot. And look at all you're doing with three kids. I wonder if you work out, have friends, and have a clean house. Anyway, thanks for what you do, and thanks for responding and sharing. So <laughs> I emailed Cheryl back and basically said, no, I don't. The short answer is no, I don't, I don't uh, work out, have friends, um, or a clean house. Now, the longer answer is... You know, my house, I you know, one of the 15 secret successful people know about time management is delegation. So 
I delegate, I outsource, uh, you know, the mowing of my lawn and the shoveling of snow to other people. You know, so I pay someone to do it. Every two weeks, I've got a house cleaning crew that comes in and cleans the house. Um, so look, I mean, I've, I use the secret of outsourcing to get some of it done, but I don't stress like the house. Um, uh, it, it, I'm a minimalist. So there's not a lot of junk sitting around. But there's all kinds of house projects that have been sitting around for years because they haven't been a priority. I mean, I need new blinds in my bedroom and I don't really care about that. It's not a priority. So I, they, <laughs> they've been broken literally for years in this beautiful home. When it comes to friends, I consider everybody a friend. Uh, Cheryl, who wrote in, is now a new friend. But how often do I actually see face-to-face, -face, socialize with friends. Like my best friends, I'm lucky if I see them twice a year. Mike and I go to a Sixers game. Ian and I go to a, a hockey game, whatever it is. Like it's not that often because I don't have the available 14, 40 minutes for things like that. Might be a phone call, might be text messages, etc. But socializing is not something that <laughs> this single dad entrepreneur is spending time on. And then when it comes to working out, Here's the thing. So I do work out a little bit, but that has always been my biggest failure. But I encourage people, if you want to practice extreme productivity with whatever area it is, don't focus on the activity, focus on the goal. So working out is an activity. The goal is health, right? So I think about health and part of that is, uh, again, being mindful. So part of health is sleep. I will sleep seven to eight hours most nights. And if that means I'm going to sleep seven hours and not hit the treadmill for 20 minutes, I would choose sleep over treadmill. You might pick treadmill over sleep, but I'm just saying we need to think it through. Um, another part of health is diet. And in fact, for weight and all that, I think diet is 80 to 90%. You really, it's difficult to run off the pounds once you're, once you've built them up. So the way I think about this is, if I look at my day and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to do my hour of treadmill today. Well, then I'm extra mindful about not eating snacks and staying on slow carb or low carb meals, etc. So go back to the goal and then think about how can you achieve that goal? You know, part of health is low cholesterol. Well, because I switched to a vegan diet about a year or so ago, I, you know, my cholesterol's dropped in half. Uh, so, you know, that's not a difference in terms of time. It didn't take me any different time, but I got a great health result. So in general, I do spend about 20 minutes every morning, you know, doing the treadmill, some yoga stretches. I get most days in and I try to work out several days a week on the treadmill. And I'm doing that once a week x-force program at the gym in philadelphia so i, I don't want to minim, minimize i don't want the message to be like workouts aren't important and i do try to hit them it's just my weakest area but that was a fun interaction i had with cheryl denise reached out to me on linkedin and said hey keep reading from your book in your weekly wrap-up which was cool because i wasn't sure if people liked that or not and then i got another email uh, hi, Kevin. Like most people, I first came across you with your book on time management, which has transformed my life. I work in the nonprofit sector, working with people with disabilities and found all your advice invaluable. I really enjoy the podcast and you reading out from your new book. Thanks. Padraig Ruan, Ireland. Um, hey, we're only a day or two away from St. Patty's Day. So this email <laughs> reminds me to remind you 
uh, hey, it's St. Patty's Day, not St. Patty's Day. There's It's D, not T, because Patty is the, the short for Padraig, the Gaelic for Patrick, St. Patrick's Day. Patty with a T would be the short form of Patricia, St. Patricia's Day, which it isn't. So it's Patty, not Patty. <laughs> Want to give that plug for how to do St. Patty's Day right. And so, hey, I got a couple encouragements to, hey, read more from your book. So this is the book that's my forthcoming book, Contrarian Ideas Around Leadership, that my publisher sold themselves to another publisher. It's delayed, so I just feel like reading from the book to get it out there. So here is a section called, it's from the first chapter about, you know, leaders close their open door. How can we improve uh, the, our open door policy? And this section's called, I'd better check with the boss first. For some employees, the problem isn't fear of going through the open door, it's that they always wanna go through that door. In their willingness to share all of their problems and ideas and decisions with management, these individuals become overly dependent on company leaders. In essence, they become afraid to make decisions without first running them by their superiors. Legendary leadership coach Marshall Goldsmith explores the reasons for this in an essay he wrote for Harvard Business Review. As Goldsmith points out, employees know their jobs better than anyone else in the organization, but not everyone is comfortable making decisions. And here's the critical point. Now, this is quoting Goldsmith. It isn't possible for a leader to empower someone to be accountable and make good decisions. People have to empower themselves. Your role is to encourage and support the decision-making environment and give employees the tools and knowledge they need to make and act upon their own decisions. By doing this, you help your employees reach an empowered state. So oftentimes an open door policy is a lazy and inefficient substitute for the initial investment of training and attention that your employees need. When you give your people the tools and coaching they need to make good decisions, that's what they'll do. In contrast, if you neglect those people in favor of a policy where they can just come and get you whenever they want, you hinder their development and ability to make decisions. Nick, a manager in a family business in Australia, tried to modernize the company culture partly through a wide open door policy. He described the outcome. I was working 70 plus hours a week. I had unwittingly created a culture of dependence whenever even the smallest problem arose. The stronger, more valuable staff members did not feel empowered or even trusted in their roles and were more likely to consider leaving. And the weaker, less valuable staff members only grew more dependent, which meant the stronger staff would leave and the weaker ones would stay. It would appear that my open door management policy had basically become a mechanism by which staff could delegate their problems back onto management. <laughs> I love that from Nick. As a leader, you have a responsibility to pass on valuable knowledge and experience through good training and coaching at appropriate times. But leaving the door open discourages your people from appropriate bias to action and limits the opportunities they need to grow. So again, that's another section from a book that you can't even buy yet, <laughs> but I'll keep sharing it with you on these Friday programs. And friends, before I go, here's something cool. So. Think about the top 100 business books from last year, the most popular business books that were read last year. These are the books that your CEO read, the books everyone's talking about over lunch or at the water cooler, the books your competitors are reading. Well, who's got the time, right? How are you gonna read those 100 books that everybody else is talking about? Well, 
Imagine if I've got executive book summaries for you, you know, written summaries that you can read each book in five minutes. Well, that's what I put together working with our friends at Get Abstract. You can get the 100 most popular books from last year, business books, all those executive summaries in the LeadX Academy at leadx.org. Seven bucks a month pre-launch special, not lasting much longer. Go and get these book summaries, leadx.org. And of course, remember, be mindful of your leadership influence. How are you going to lead today? 